Welcome to Second Cherry, almost a Eurovision podcast. This week, we travel to Spain. Hello and welcome to Second Cherry. I'm Monty. And I'm Matt. And this is a podcast that revives the songs that didn't make it to the Eurovision Song Contest. Each week, we take you through a different country's national final and pick the cherry that we think deserves a second chance, a second bite of the cherry. At the end of the series, you, the listeners, vote for your favourites. And at our live event, we crown the winner of the Second Cherry Song Contest. Woo! Which we have a date for now. We keep going on about uh-huh. it. But it's the 11th of November. Yeah! Yay! <laughs> uh, at the World Vauxhall Tavern. Be there if you can. Please do. Please don't just be me Monty standing on stage. <laughs> we'll have Jodie with us. It'll be alright. That's fine. We'll do that anyway. Fine. <laughs> yeah, come if you want. You know, stuff you if you don't. <laughs> so this week we're looking at Spain. But, oh, Matt. Is that a bulge in your sack, I see? It is. I'm quite excited. So I see. (laughs) So delving into Twitter, we've got an account called Chunachan, and simply in response to our French episode, just wrote, so, uh, and then love heart eyes. Oh, they're excited. So I think they like the selection. Yay. So fabulous. Thank thank you. you. Thanks for, so I don't know your name, but thank you. You just started following us. So, I'm just going to follow you back. There you go. We follow each other. <laughs> also, Dino uh, tweeted, this is in response to the Eurofest tweet announcing the second cherry dates and the Eurofest dates at the RVT. He said, I can't wait for the tickets to be released for November. Definitely going to make it down for a long overdue visit. Oh, that'd be nice to see you. Mm, Dino absolutely. with Baby Bear 0188. <laughs> Steady. <laughs> So there we are. That is my sack unfilled. Unfilled? Emptied. Emptied. (laughs) English language, what? God, can you wipe it up? (laughs) Let's get on with Spain. We are very excited this week because the Spanish national final was a new format. Well, it was a revival of an old format to be strictly um, spoken. English language this today has been eluding us, Monty. I blame this side of it. It's actually quite strong. A little bit tiddly. <laughs> it was the return of a revived Benidorm Fest, or the Festival de, de la Canción de Benidorm, mm. which ran from 1959 to 2006, with the exception of a handful of years. Previous winners of the festival include Rafael, who was the Spanish entrant in 1966 and 67, and Julio Iglesias, who was the Spanish entry in 1970. So we're going back some here. Mm. Also, Carral Segovia, who was the runner-up to Rodolfo de Chiqui de Cuatro in 2008 <laughs> and beat La Casa Azul into third in the national final. Oh. The song, I think, could have won Eurovision had it got there. But yes, it's an old format that's been revived and it was held in the Palau Municipal de Sport de Ila de Benador in... on... 26th and 27th of January, the semi-finals, and the final on the 29th of January. 
My prepositions have all gone as well, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) It was a great show, I have to say. Two semi-finals and one final. There were seven songs per semi-final with four from each advancing to the final. Although in the first semi-final, Luna Key withdraw before the semi-final, leaving only six in the first semi-final from which four qualified. Luna Key withdraw, well... Something, something, live vocals, something, something. There was a bit of vocoder effect on their track. Oh. And I think that there was a, a misunderstanding that they would have to sing live and not be able to recreate that effect um, on stage. So that's why they were true. So we were left with just 13 rather than 14 songs. But wow, what a 13 songs they were. This was an incredible national final. I've changed my mind a couple of times, but I think I'm resting on the fact that my favourite national final of this season was Spain. Benidormfest was an absolute triumph. They, they they did me right when they, at the final, they had Pastora Soler singing Quédete Conmigo. And I was like, ah, oh, just, you know what you're doing to me, Spain. You're just reeling me in. There was... Something needed in Spain. Um, They had put, actually, I think, some fairly good songs in, but had not got the results. So this was a rethink. This was, let's rip it up and try it again. And this was a national final of absolute quality. They totally got it right. And it's already been confirmed that this is going to be the format for selecting the song next year. Um, Boy, are we seriously considering going Mm. to Benidorm in January? Yeah, you could have a cherry episode from Ben and Dawn Fest. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> oh, don't tempt that from me and then snatch it away. <laughs> ben and Dawn cherry. <laughs> Just a little bit more about the uh, national final. There were three um, bouts of voting or three pools of voting. The expert jury was made up of five um, people, more of that in a moment, and counted for 50% of the vote. A demoscopic panel made up of a selection of people was 25% of the vote. Um, a statistically selected sample of the Spanish population, apparently. And then the public televoting was 25%. So the jury had half the weighting, the demoscopic panel and the public had a quarter each. Mm. That is going to come into play. (laughs) Playing with fire. There were five people on the national jury. Uh, The national jury, the Spanish people were Natalia Calderon, a vocal coach, Miriam Benedicted, a director and choreographer, and Estefania Garcia, a singer mezzo-soprano at RTVE Choir. There were two international members of the jury group, Marvin Dietman, director of many Eurovision entries and part of the creative team behind Sam Ryder this year, and a friend of ours, lovely Felix Bergson, the head of delegation for Iceland, Mm. were on the jury panel. Now, I say that's going to come into play because I have to say there were a couple of controversies in the voting (laughs) this year. The first one was that Miriam, one of the judges, had worked with Chanel 
as a choreographer before. So there are accusations of cronyism. Mm. <laughs> nice <and> word. <laughs> <laughs> so she might have actually invoked the, the allegations she might have elevated Chanel because she already had a connection with her. Well, I mean, we did see that the yeah, that Manel Navarro one because one of the jurors had, you know, was his producer or something, done some work with him. And of course, the, the jury had the biggest sway then as well as they did this year. The other controversy well maybe we'll leave that until we talk about the entrant that it involved because it is one of the five that we're going to feature this evening chanel of course was the winner overall she was first with the jury she was second with the demoscopic panel and she was third with the televoters more of that in a moment let's have a little listen to it So Matt, Chanel, she came third at Eurovision with 459 points. She was third with the jury and third with the televote. Only three points difference in the score. So this was very, very consistent. 231 from the jury, 228 from the televote. She was only seven points behind the UK who got 466 to her 459. She was 21 points ahead of Sweden who were in fourth who had 438. Matt, did the right song win? Oh, 100% yes. 100% yes. Because actually, other mathematics, if you were to look at the voting votes that were changed because of the inscrepancies, would have put her second ahead of the UK if you redistributed the Ukraine votes. in. There's a whole load of different maps. But whichever way you look at it, Spain nailed it. They absolutely nailed it. The big surprise for me is that it was a song like this that did it. Because... When this first got selected, I was like, great, that's a great song, but it's going to split the vote with other songs like it. There's always your Fuego lights. Now, I know people will moan at me saying, oh, it's not Fuego, it's nothing like Fuego. Like, yes, I know, but it's in the same vein. And some of the choreography, I have to say, is very Fuego. So it is, it is in that boat. But nothing else came about from the national finals that was like that. Exactly. That's exactly my thoughts when I was watching it with Max, who is one of our um, uh, avid listeners. Um, and it was literally like, that's brilliant, but there's going to be a whole heap of songs exactly the same. And she really benefited from the fact that nothing else really came along like it. This was one of the most exciting things I've ever seen in a Eurovision arena. And it's because of the reaction of the crowd. Now, we'd seen the choreography, but they really elevated it. with just a little flourish here and there for the final. And they really, really nailed it. But in that arena, and you can hear it on the broadcast, the crowd is just going wild and going up and up and up and up and up. A level in energy as the song progresses. And she delivers more and more and more and more. And when she brings that fan out, people just went wild. There was just such a sense of the crowd going with her. Mm. 
as she performed it. It was absolutely sensational. Forget all the controversy that happens that, you know, had it, had people had their way, this would have been nowhere near Eurovision. This was absolutely the right choice. It was a brilliant result for Spain. And I really hope that this heralds a change in fortunes for this absolute powerhouse of a Eurovision nation. So Chanel won, but let's have a look at the other runners and the riders. Song number one then, kicking us off, is Raffaella by Vary Brava. Monty, charismatic to the hilt. What are your thoughts? Oh, this is just pure joy and fun. It's absolutely delightful. The Raffaella of the title is, of course, Raffaella Cara, the late, great queen of Italian disco. And this is absolute Italian disco as a bit of a tribute to her. It's not about her, so it's not necessarily an ode to Raffaella. In the song, the singer is... Um, reflecting on the the paramour that has got away. Um, whether it's a woman, whether it's a man, whether it's somebody of another gender identity, we don't know. But he's reflecting on this kind of relationship and, you know, where, you know, the person's gone. And as he's doing that, there's a song playing on the radio and it's a Raffaella Cara song. So that is the connection to Raffaella in the lyrics. It's a little bit you know, cheeky and off the wall, but oh my God, this is brilliant. Starts in black and white and then he's in this enormous great overcoat that you just know is going to come off. <laughs> that comes off, the whole stage is awash with beautiful reds and they're all in red costumes and it's quirky. There's a little circular piano. There's somebody playing a little keyboard that's descended from the ceiling and they're reaching up and playing it with their hands above their head. It's just fun. This is absolutely gorgeous. It's funny you say quirk because that's exactly what I've put down. It, this is how you do quirk. Um, not novelty, it's not novelty, but that if you can do something that's a little bit left to centre, a little bit off the wall, this is how you do it. It's, as I said, very charismatic, the singer. He's just you just engaged with him. It is very Italian. It, it, it really reminded me of some Italian dance song. I'm reminded, actually, of Burt Bacharach and that era of that slick 70s pop, 60s, 70s pop that is just, it's beautiful. It's just really catchy. And it's just a delight to watch. I just, I love this from start to finish. You know, be weird as you want, but bring us along with the ride. And that's that's that quirk. This is the thing. They get this absolutely right. I adore this. Sixth place, I think, is a bit of a shame, but this was a very strong national final. So I think they should be very proud of that. Excellent song. This reminds me of something a little closer to home for us at Second Cherry. It reminds me of one of our Second Cherry winners, La Caza Azul with La Revolución Sexual. It's just got that kind of just quirky, lovely, disco-y, brilliant vibe to it. 
And I think that Lacazette could have won Eurovision. Not saying this could have, but this would have been such a lovely entry at Eurovision. It would have just been something that warmed people's hearts. I think it would have got the Italian vote. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Excellent song. Really happy with that one. The second song we're going to talk about is Postoreo by Azuka Moreno. <laughs> Now, Matt, we all know Adoka Moreno. They were the Spanish entrance in 1990, and they had that infamous moment at Eurovision where the backing track started in the wrong place, and they were looking confused on stage, and then they they walked off, and you could see them throwing their arms up (laughs) in that Spanish fashion as they went backstage. And then the guitarist decided to just try and mime to the guitar. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Ever the professional. <laughs> Absolutely. They came on and did a brilliant performance to come fight fifth. But this was the return to the Eurovision selection of Azuka Moreno, a massive band in Spain. And we were all so excited when we saw that they were coming back. Yeah, I think, you know, they didn't make the final. This is a semi-final entry. But as I said, it's a strong national final. So not too surprising. But that deep, husky... Spanish at the start where they're just looking down the camera and they're just owning everything. These are professional performers who know their craft inside out and it was just perfection, just experience coming through. Probably one of my favourite songs of this season because it, it's just so real and I just there's more to it than just the sound and the people performing it. There's real sort of like history here. We played this actually to a party of Colombians. Uh, like we, we mentioned every week about Mikael's, uh, our guest Mikael, his husband is Colombian, was at a party. We played this song to them and we're all dancing around and they were like, what's this? Because, you know, we had Spanish music on, and they were in love with this. They were like, this is really good. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and it's almost Eurovision. <laughs> Not quite Eurovision. So it's really got, you know, Spanish people like it. And even if, you know, South American Spanish people like it, you know, it's got legs. It's gorgeous. It's got that kind of gorgeous flamenco Spanish feel like you want. Swishing your skirts and playing your castanets. And, oh, it's just brilliant those deep deep voices that are almost like yelling the tune i mean it just doesn't get any better than that i absolutely love it the lyrics are gorgeous as well postureo is like posing or posturing as uh, so you you seduce me when dancing with your posing i fall in love more and more my lips are fire in your gaze quench this thirst of mine and bewitch me with your posing I mean, this is sex. Yeah. And those women are owning it. And I absolutely am here for it. I'm gutted this didn't get through. You know, what the hell are you playing at, Spain? Ditching Eurovision royalty from your selection with a song this good? But, you know, that's why we have to bring it to Second Jerry because it is just too good to overlook. It really is. 
Song number three, though, we're going to move on, is Tanchugueras with Terra. say first of all I have to go back to the voting Mm. on this because this is the song that there was the second controversy about this scored a massive televote 70.75% of the televote Chanel by comparison was third in the televote and got 3.97% a song that we are yet to talk about came second with 18%. So the rest of them got tiny, tiny percentages. But the way it worked out was that you, wherever you came in the ranking of the Televote, didn't matter how many points you had, what percentage you'd got, the top ranking song got 30 points, the second top got 25, then 20, then 18, 15, 12. 10 and 5. So even though Tanchigueras ran away with that televoting, it was converted into an equivalent of points and they got the top points, but that was 30 points. Chanel got 20 points by coming third, even though there was such a massive difference in the proportion of televotes they got. And because the televote only counted for 25% of the vote, and because the expert jury had Chanel top and Tanchigueras somewhere down the field, it wasn't enough to swing the vote because the expert jury counted for 50%. Now, you can argue about this system all you like, but that's the system that we had. And so it does seem perhaps unfair that of the Spanish voting population... 70% of them wanted Tanchigueras, but it didn't win because of the complicated structure of the way that the votes were put together. Yeah, and I think that there were jury members who were sort of, there was favouritism, as we said before, and I think there was a lot of... um, a little bad feeling towards the jurors, which is unfair, unjust, because, you know, I took to Twitter and it was just a head of delegation for Iceland trying to you know, kill off any chance of Spain. Well, it didn't work out for them, so, you know. (laughs) But, yeah, all of that sort of stuff. It was pretty nasty, actually. But um... But let's think about this song in its own right. So it's it's a song... The band Tanchigueras tried to bring a modern sound to Galician music, and it's got that very folky vibe to it. There's um, a lot of dancing around on stage. There's a couple of male dancers in skirts with sort of gold glitter on their torso. Um, And it's a trio of women who are singing um, in the local dialect, and um, they're singing a a folk-influenced song. It's not dissimilar to what France sent this year in Foulaine. A modern take, uh, an electronic modern take on a Breton song. And this is kind of a modern take on a Galician folk tradition. Yeah, and I, I, I'd said to you before, Monty, that this, this put me in mind of Tulia, the Polish band from 2000 and... 
that year <laughs> but you know um, obviously that's Polish and that's very white voice and very different sound and, and not but it comes from that same cultural seed you know like that um, Tara this is some old Spanish folklore that's brought brought back to life through storytelling and song and I just yeah it's that same sort of vibe you know that it's just it's of the place that it's coming from and for a repetitive song which is which terror is they make the most of this performance it's a masterclass in how you present something which has less to work with um they they, they just did it perfectly at no point was i bored throughout the whole performance it's a great entry i do like it but i don't really think i would have wanted to see it at eurovision um, I think it would have been competing for the same votes that Fulen got. And let's be honest, that didn't get very many to share around. It only came third. And the song that came second is the next one we're going to talk about. So let's hang on to that for a moment. But I think that they almost dodged a bullet this year. There's no way that this, despite that massive public support, there's no way that this would have done better than Chanel at Eurovision. And could have been right down the bottom. And had that been the case, and we were looking at another poor result, all of that excitement about the Benidorm Fest could have been just undone like that. I think it's so much better for Spain that this didn't win and that Chanel did and got them such a great result. Because, my God, that's going to have revived interest for who wants to put themselves forward for the Benidorm Fest next year. So, Monty, let's talk about that song that came second place. It is Rigoberta Bandini with the song Ay Mama. So, Monty, much has been said about this song, as we've just discovered. Thoughts from you, though? Well, if you like a bit of quirk, you are going to love this. This felt like it had the momentum going into the Spanish final, and it did actually come second. So it was almost a bit of a surprise, actually, when Tanchigenas got that massive public vote, because it felt like this is the one that all the discussion was around. Obviously, Chanel came in, did that amazing performance, blew everything out of the water, but this is a song that I think everybody was looking out for going in. It's an ode to motherhood and to breastfeeding. It's about all the mothers in the world. And it's about kind of being a woman and celebrating that. But it's also about kind of, you know, why are women's bodies so taboo? So there's a bit, it's a bit of kind of like free the nipple in this almost. Um, she's singing a line which is like, let's stop the city by taking a breast out in the style of Delacroix, who was the French painter who painted the uh, the famous Liberty Leading the People uh, painting of commemorating the 1830 revolution, where liberty is depicted with, you know, with breasts out. And she's basically saying, well, you know, it's so controversial if a woman gets her tits out, you know, let's, if we do this, we'll, you know, the, the, everyone will be aghast. Um, and I just love that. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a little bit in the lyrics where um, she says, uh, I don't know why so many people are scared of our tits. Without them, there wouldn't be humanity nor beauty. So it's a real celebration of it. And I just think it's absolutely lovely. And the routine is 
it's just so sweet. It's quirky. She starts in a wedding dress uh, and a veil with some sunglasses on, <laughs> and the dancers around her. It's a, it's um, a little bit like kind of chaotic Amdram at times, but it's got a real charm to it. She lies down on the floor. There's a projection of a boob and then a pregnancy um, on the floor, which is shot from above. And while that's happening, the dancers kind of almost off the the screen are removing her, her her dress so she's got this kind of nude effect body stocking on which i think is kind of you know meant to be as far as they can take freeing the nipple um on stage but it's just it's just lovely oh and i forgot to mention that as they do that they wheel on a giant boob in the shape of a globe of the world behind her yeah basically Tits are taking over the world. (laughs) (laughs) I'm on record as saying that this wouldn't have done the same at Eurovision than Chanel. I don't think it, it it wouldn't have had the same energy and effect because it had that Spanish momentum. It was a hit. You know, she's actually, I think, had hit since this in Spain off the back of this as well. So I, I... It's got that Spanish vote, but I'm not sure that would have translated to European votes. And I say that as well because it's a risk because it's a grower. Uh, we weren't too sure about it when we first heard it, but we grew to like it, and that's that's a great thing. And I think sometimes good songs don't aren't always instantaneous, but when it caught fire, boy, did it catch fire! And you're right, it gained so much momentum. I love the message, and I think I think it got it what it deserved, but it's still an exceptional entry, really good. Jody from the second show team was championing this right from the beginning. And you're right, for you and I, it took a little while to get there. I totally agree with you. I don't think it would have done um, as well as Chanel did at Eurovision. But it really felt like it was that lovely, quirky song that Spanish fans and Eurovision fans of the ilk that would tune into a national final and ergo of the ilk that listened to this podcast just really seemed to to get in get on board with this and it's just a, a moment of absolute joy so the last song that we have tonight is by Raiden and it's called Calle de Llorería Como una magdalena Sabes por donde voy Alguien se ha puesto a llorar Pero no te voy a decir quién soy A llorar a la calle de la llorería Matt, what do you think of Raiden? Well, much like Very Brava, mentioned before, the charismatic performance, there's plenty of personality here too. I'm partial to a beard, we all know that. Are you? <laughs> and there's a you lot. There's a lot of it here. <laughs> Look, I think the song is okay. It's okay. There's, there's, it's a bit forgettable, despite all that personality. I think it's a lot of gusto, but not really going anywhere. The lyrics are well all over the place. Impenetrable, I would have said. I've read them twice, and I still don't really know what's going on. Yeah, if you know anything about the song, please write in um, because. <laughs> Um, not sure. But I think the charm of this is 
the performance. Not really about the song, this one. It's more about them as a band, the guys, you know, they're just doing weird. One, at one point, one kisses someone's forehead, and it's, it's just weird stuff. But it's just, it's fun. And um, Crying Street, that's what the title of the song translates to. And I'm not, I still can't work out what that means. Yeah, the charm there for me is in the charisma the charisma of the performers. Um, there's, you know, Ryden himself is not unattractive, but there are some really lovely beards going on in that lineup of musicians behind him who are playing the drums, the accordion, all sorts of things. And there's, there's cheek and charm and there's just engagement. It's really, really nice. There's something of the proletariat about this for me. And I don't know if that actually fits with the lyrical theme, but it's almost like it's a very engaging tableau on stage. They create an interesting visual to look at. At the start, Raiden is on, well, he's on top of a flight of stairs, which you realize, but it, like, it almost looks as though he's standing, giving one of those big kind of, you know, rousing speeches to the workers' party you know, at a rally or something like that. It's got that sort of feel to it. And I don't, it just feels as though there's something of the people about this song. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. it. It's very attractive to watch. Yes, agreed. <laughs> <laughs> We're not doing that this year, Monty. Yeah, we've been distracted by the perfect at the performance and we can't remember how the song goes. <laughs> But have a check it out. It's very enjoyable. It's a lot of fun. So there's our five songs. Which one is going to be the Spanish Cherry? Well, we'll find out after this. Matt and Monty's Good Thing of the Week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. You know what this is by now. This is our Good Thing of the Week. And, well, this thing is not so much positive vibe, but it just it makes me feel happy about the future of a certain country. It's not really of the week either, because actually this did happen a couple of weeks ago, and by the time you're listening to this, it will be even more. But we just liked the idea of it, which is why we wanted to bring it. Absolutely. So a few weeks ago, North Macedonia's head of delegation, Mary Popova, she presented a report to her national broadcaster, MRT. It's a five-point sort of plan or review of their way forward and how to improve their prospects at Eurovision. And I'm just going to quickly whiz through some of the points she raised because it's really, really interesting. So some of the points she raised is a review of the timeline, so decisions are more timely, greater delegation, more people involved, what's going on, budget, knowing what money they're working with, and a better marketing plan. One key point, though, she pointed out was a public relations committee, which was basically bringing together group of PR professionals who will handle the public perception of Eurovision back home in Macedonia. In turn, she says, they would be better equipped to deal with any scandals like the Vassal Bulgarian flag scandal and the flag throwing off Andrea last year. So she thinks there should be a public relations thrust back home to help improve their Eurovision chances. I find that really interesting. Yeah. I have to say that I, when the controversy happened this year with Andrea and the flag, it just felt so concocted out of nothing. I actually wondered that, given the fact we'd already had a Macedonian national final that was 
no budget and we didn't even hear the songs, I wondered if the broadcaster was almost trying to create some kind of noise by which they could quietly say, well, we're going to withdraw from Eurovision. I'm glad to see that this doesn't seem to be the case. And I really quite like the idea that, you know, although this is an internal geeky document, <laughs> I like the fact that, you know, a broadcaster is reflecting on their position at Eurovision. I think we've seen a lot of broadcasters do that. We've seen France do it. We've seen the UK do it. We've seen Spain do it. So it's nice to see that happen with Macedonia. I think they need it because actually looking back at their history, they've only qualified twice since 2007. You know, that's almost the entirety of the 2010s with no qualification. Kariopi got through in 2012. Tamara Todevska got through in 2019. But absolutely nothing since then. So it really does feel as though they need to rethink it. But yeah, I think that bit about the PR is interesting because they've really had to deal with storms in teacups over ridiculous things. Yeah, and I feel like maybe... I think there could be still some truth. Maybe there is people at the broadcaster who don't want to be part of Eurovision. There could be some of that. This could be Mary saying, uh, excuse me, sir. Well, absolutely. Well, yeah. And if she's been that shrewd, then good on her. I love Mary. We know her a little bit. And she's just such a lovely person. Always really friendly. Always really positive. So it's nice to see her staking out her corner. And I hope she gets what she wants. Agreed. And so that's why it had to be our good thing of the week. Matt and Monty's good thing of the week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. So, Matt, what have we chosen as the Spanish cherry this year? <clears throat> Excuse me while I pop my cherry. But it's going to be Rigoberta Bandini with Ay Mama. Look at my tits. Boob. <laughs> Absolutely, we had to. It was just so lovely and quirky. But my God, there were so many songs we could have chosen. We could have done a ten... All the songs, really, we could have spoke about. So we could good. just do... Oh, what about Second Cherry, but make it Spain? And we just play all of these songs again and... One of the wins. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do that at Benidorm Fest next year. Yay. <laughs> so there we are then. That's our Spanish cherry. How will that go down the live show? Well, you won't have to buy tickets to come and find out. We might even get our tits out on stage if you're very unlucky. <laughs> <laughs> Monty, tell people how they can contact us. They can contact us via social media, Twitter at Second Cherry, Instagram at Second underscore Cherry, Facebook at Second Cherry Podcast. You can also email us on... Hello. At secondcherry.vision. 
Hello. At secondcherry.vision. We don't often do this, but I'm going to do a little plug. If you're liking us on the podcast, leave us a little review on the podcasting sites, particularly Apple. It helps promote the show and it helps more people hear about it. And uh, yeah, leave us a little comment on the on the actual podcasting platform. I think you can probably do that on Spotify as well. I'm not sure. But yeah, find out a way to give official feedback <laughs> and, you know, just kind of like massage our egos a little bit. We're going to leave you for a bit of a summer break now, a few weeks oh. break, um, just because just because it's the summer. You want to not listen to us in your lug holes every week, so you want to have a bit of a break and chill out, and we will be back continuing the... Well, I suppose we're at the halfway point in a way. Yes. Well, we don't know how many songs we're going to have this year, but there will be a maximum of 16, and this is our eighth episode mm. this season, so... Who knows how more there are to come? Mm. Mm, exciting. Not even us, because we haven't decided no. yet. <laughs> no, literally, literally no one That's knows. That's why we need the break. Because, yeah. <laughs> so there we are. Then we're going to piss off to somewhere warm. Well, the UK. I'm not pissing off to anywhere warm. I'm pissing off to Finland and Estonia. Oh, of course. I, I'm jealous, actually. I'm really jealous. That's going to be a great uh, great trip. I'm going to start a new job, so um, that's why I'm going to be doing my spare time. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we need a break. Yeah. Also, the second Cherry Live final is a little later in the year this year. It's in November. It was in October last year, so we have a little bit more room to play with. So enjoy the summer break. We will be back with you soon. Don't forget, check out our socials, because if tickets go on sale for the live final before we are back with the next episode we don't want you to miss out they do go really quickly so if you are in a position to be able to come to our live final do just keep an eye on the socials and Eurofest socials because they'll be announced there as well and see if uh, yeah we don't we, we genuinely don't know when the tickets are going to go to sell. they might not go to sell until October who knows there you go enjoy your summer break we certainly will and we'll see you when we return bye bye